Well, Duke, you're just you're running the gamut of dance songs. This is like uh, solid gold back in the day here. Yeah, this is this is a, this might be my favorite. This actually. one, like for a, at a wedding, really? Yeah, like a lot of pace to it, right? So get out there, kind of scooting around. Get the, spin, get the spins going, maybe even a little air action. See, I would have thought it, uh, that uh, I knew the bride when she used to rock and roll. That, that song's pretty long, isn't it? Well, yeah. Or but the, that's the thing. The worst is if they play the full edition, like the full uh, uh, version of Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Well, yeah. It's like eight minutes long. And uh, you're out there just sweating your bag off. That one, yeah, that one. And. Uh, Ah, what's the? Uh, it's the standard dance song for every wedding. It's the it's the long version. I'll have to think of it, but it's uh, it's uh, ah, it's off the tip on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, those long songs that you you get, you know, you're, you you ask the lady to dance, you get her going, you're spinning her around, you get a little, eh, you know, she's feeling good she's, about she's, you know she's taken by your fluidity on the dance floor she's, and but she's out of you know it's out of, she's out of breath she's taken with you the duke and the spins are making her a little dizzy mm-hmm. and you're you know you're up to the bar right after you know a quick little it's shot all, all part of the process yes exactly yes boy some big games in the nhl tonight detroit red wings are home to washington washington beat ottawa last night six three Ovi didn't score a goal though that was kind of weird i thought when they had six goals basically halfway through the game that uh, when you looked at uh, the six spot that he was going to have a midfield. The big game, well, there's a few big games. Vegas and the Maple Leafs in Toronto. Leafs on a seven-game heater. Of course, the Oilers, just like last week, I guess when Toronto went into Vegas and beat the Knights, pulling for the Maple Leafs again tonight. And then a couple of later ones again. Blues in Winnipeg tonight. St. Louis here tomorrow. So... St. Louis will be on a back-to-back. And L.A. goes now into Calgary, where the Flames are kind of surging a little bit as well. And then uh, another big one on the West Coast is uh, Penguins and Canucks. And, of course, we've got the Devils and Sharks. We'll talk to Curtis Pashelka about that. Uh, L.A. and the Oilers last night. Oilers win at 4-2, thanks to, uh, well, a number of things. Uh, the penalty kill, the 5-on-3, was a massive uh, point of the game. And that's one of the areas that head coach Chris Knobloch addressed Last night, post-game. Hey, Chris. Uh, Stuart Skinner, second period. That 5-on-3 penalty kill came up huge with a few saves. Just some thoughts on his play tonight. That was the difference of the game. Um, the, the turning point, we're down 2-1, and we don't get a kill there. We're down 2. It makes it really difficult to come back. Skins made some big saves, and our guys made some big plays on that kill, and then we were able to obviously score a power play goal shortly after that. Evan Bouchard had a tough play on that second L.A. goal there back in the third period to the wire home of his patented Bouch bombs. What, what does that say about his game to be able to forget a play like that and come back with a, goal, a big goal like that? Yeah, it was, it was the wrong play, but it's a really difficult play. You're standing, um, you don't have momentum to have a, a gap, and they have a, so much speed, and it's, it's a tough one to play. And, you know, I made a little mistake there, but... He made a lot of good plays tonight, and it didn't bother him too much, and it was nice to see. Is that the key you want to see from your guys' mistakes happen? That, but didn't seem to phase him at all, right? And, and he came up huge with the assist and then the goal. The game's about mistakes. There's mistakes all the time, and there's never one played a perfect game as good as somebody is. You could dissect it and say, oh, he should have been doing this or should have done that. They're going to happen, and if we dwell on it, it's only going to make us 
their game worse. It's going to make the team's game worse. We have to put it behind ourselves. And, you know, obviously if it's happening over and over and there's a problem, we have to address it. But mistakes happen. You have to be able to move on. You didn't give up a lot uh, all game, Coach, but the game really changed on your penalty kill in the, in the second period. The back-to-back kills, 24 seconds on the five-on-three. And just after that, you really seem to take over the game. Um, kind of a unique way to get the momentum on your side. Uh, momentum changes. Um, you know, that was an opportunity for them to maybe put the game away or make it a little more difficult for us to come behind. And um, as for the bench, it just gives us a lot of energy. You've got um, guys making huge plays, skins making uh, big saves. And then you've got, after that penalty kill, you've got um, some pretty good players coming out after that to build some momentum. Just a, maybe a thought on the last minute and a half or so. You, you've got a lead, but you're obviously you're you know, trying to kill it off. And just your decisions with the forwards, who you wanted out there, kind of what the thought process was. Well, Ryan definitely tonight taking the face-offs. He was dynamite um, all night, won a lot of big face-offs. I believe won one on the PK five on three, but our numbers said that he was our best draw man, so he was going to be doing that. Um, and find five on three, the biggest thing is getting pucks out. That's usually where the mistakes are happening. That's where it lead to goals again. So you want the guys who are good with the pucks, good on the walls, and then you also want defensively responsible guys. So there's a balance on, you know, usually that's a role for your penalty killers. But it's also you got to have some skill to get the pucks and make that next play. Um, this question is from Cam Tate. Uh, he noticed that this morning you had a chat with Leon Dreisaitl just outside the blue line. And if that had any bearing on, on his scoring play tonight and what you thought of his night. Well, I'd like to say I took credit for drawing up that play for him, but uh, no, I didn't. I thought Leon played really well tonight. Um, goal and assist and um, a lot of good defensive plays, breaking up plays on the back check. And yeah, more of what we like. Your, your team's been searching to play a 60-minute game lately and searching to find that defensive posture. Where the Kings, the way the Kings play, you got to be patient and you got to be responsible. Were they a good opponent for you tonight for what you guys were trying to accomplish? Good teams do that. They're able to play a good structured game, make it tough for you to score goals, never out of position too much. Um, yeah, I think it, it is good for us to have a, a victory against a, a quality opponent. And, you know, especially a team that we were tied with going into the um, into the night. Yeah, something that you see this is something to build off of after, you know, you've been up and down, up and down. This is the best game you played in some time. Can you... Whatever a coach does to make this last, <laughs> figure out what to do. Well, we want to have some, um, build some momentum. I think one thing we talked about before the game was, you know, we're trying to find, um, you know, we're mixing up the lines quite a bit. And I think that takes away a lot of the players' identities, where they are in the lineup. Are they playing in top six? Are they bottom six? And ultimately, we got guys... Um, trying out for a position higher and um, auditioning for that to say and you know I think it takes away the guys building something together line some chemistry and we wanted to go into the game not change things if we didn't have to 
And, you know, fortunately, I thought all four lines played really good, really solid. So it was never even crossed my mind to switch up anything. That's Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch following last night's. And, yeah, he's been – his hand has kind of been forced a lot in the second period to change lines and to move things around a little bit. There was one instance last night where, you know, he moved up Dylan Holloway. He moved up Dylan Holloway for a shift uh, in Matthias Janmark's spot. So Holloway played with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and uh, Evander Kane for a shift. So there's always, you know, there's always tweaking. You're always trying to get a guy going. You're always you know, trying to keep the team involved, the players involved. We've talked about this so many times over the years where it was a two-person, two-line team or whatever. And, you know, a lot of guys were kind of stapled to the bench for just really no particular reason, just more for the fact that you had so many high-end, high-offensive players that were out there, you know, trying to get something going. And I think you even saw that even... You know, at times when Jay Woodcroft took over, you can go back and I mean, there were guys saying now we're getting even more involved and we're this is going back a couple of years. We're seeing guys getting more involved. And then I think it's kind of fair to say that that Woody kind of got away from that at times. And then when Chris Knobloch took over, it was again kind of a mandate for him to go, you know what, we we got to get everybody involved. If you're not part of pulling on the rope, you don't feel like you're a part of the team. You don't feel like you're contributing. You don't feel like you're 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 coming to the rink and you have something to offer. When everyone's doing that, then that's when you got a team. Uh, the Oilers will be taking on the St. Louis Blues tomorrow. They lost to St. Louis uh, when they were on that little uh, road trip uh, a few weeks ago. The Blues in Winnipeg tonight, so they'll be on a back-to-back. We've touched on that a couple of times uh, uh, today. Oilers are plus 23 when it comes to scoring in the third period. That is uh, one of the top marks in the league. And 10-3-1 and when uh, tied after two. Haven't had the lead going into the third period for an awful, awful long time. Text coming in, 1-833-401-1440. Rockford was going bop by Dan Seals plays at every wedding at the Legion. And then your buddy Bob goes, wow, foot loose? Seriously, Duke? Bob is even on you. It's true, Bob. Yeah. (laughs) So that song was uh, Time Warp that I was thinking of. Dance to the Time Warp. That's from the Rocky Horror Horror Picture Show. (laughs) So that, again, that is a basically, that is a staple at most weddings because it's a seven, eight, nine minute song. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's weird because I've I over the years I've got to branch out a little bit on the wedding scene and go to ones that are not just you know people I went to high school with or uh, or friends from back in Delburn. I went to one in down in Calgary this past fall. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a gentleman who I lived in Lister with my first year at the U of A in residence, and so it, it's a very different scene. Uh, like his family's from overseas, so some of them coming over. Um, his now wife from Calgary, but you know the the city folk, <laughs> the 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 yuppies as uh, as we call them out in the sticks. So it, it's a lot different. So a lot of the music is very different. Not as much of the the country music and the traditional you know two stepping stuff. But they, they don't get me wrong. Like I just like good music, and if it's something mm-hmm. other you can you can kind of move and groove to, then I'm all for it. I'm a I would be a staunch. Uh supporter uh, defending the fact that 
men or women, girls or boys from smaller towns are way better dancers than people from the city. Well, I guess define define better dancers because oh. if, if you put on some uh, some of the music that Donovan the intern likes to <laughs> likes to jam out to, I'm lost. Like I'm standing there, like what do I do with my hands? But yeah, you put on some uh, some uh, some older country tunes or, or some classic rock, even if it's got the right beat to it, to, to you know get a little intimate, uh, getting close. You don't got to leave leave room for Jesus between the two of you. I you it know, can it can make for a pretty good night. I, I, if I see Donovan dancing after his performance <laughs> on after Saturday night, seeing him in a social setting out at Century Casino after watching him for what two three three and a half hours I don't have confidence at Donovan at some barn dance or any dance or anything I know you were uh, on your way down to the rink yesterday. You were listening in on Fantasy Frenzy, but yes. did you catch the start of uh, the lowdown? No, I, I Donovan was was, was was torching you. Was he? Oh, oh yeah. He's, really? he's, he he was saying how uh, you were really giving it to him and said he could only order <laughs> off the appetizers menu, <laughs> the kids menu, <laughs> yeah, the kids menu or something like that. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, poor so, Donnie so I was actually I was actually going to pull that audio and maybe run sure. it, run it for you this morning to to say uh, yeah. Here, I'm in here's, for that. Here's Donovan. Lay in the lay in yeah. the woodwork to Kevin, who's not there to defend himself. No problem. Hey, we've done the same to him. Yeah, so yeah, all, he gets all's it. fair. That's right. Yeah, it, some of the best things when you're talking about someone is the fact that they're not there to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. That's great. Not all the time, but in the case for Donovan, <laughs> most of the time. He's the intern. Yes. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little baseball. Head out to the West Coast. A lot of Seattle fans. You know, there are a lot of there. I guess it's proximity, but. When you think about NFL, there's tons, tons of Seahawks fans in Alberta. And there's also quite a few Seattle Mariners fans, but there are a lot of Blue Jays fans that go to Seattle and watch the Jays in Seattle, which is a lot, uh, a lot of, it's just a cool atmosphere to see that amount of uh, Blue Jay fans head out for those games. Uh, we'll check in with Ryan Divish, Seattle Times, when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes, best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Uh, All you have to do is check out, visit TrustRam.com for more information. As we welcome in Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times, covers the Mariners. Uh, Ryan, good morning. Thanks for hopping on Sports 1440. Uh, no problem. How you guys doing? Doing great up here. Uh, you know, we we all know about how good and how stocked and how stacked the uh, Seattle Mariners pitching staff is. But did you expect a, almost a no hitter on the first game of Cactus League yesterday? <laughs> no, I really wasn't <laughs> expecting that at all. Uh, and I was kind of like, oh my god, I don't feel like writing about this today. But no, it was the Mariners. That's the one thing they do well. I mean, they know how to build pitching and develop pitching and. They, you know, it's been what's kept them kind of in games and, you know, had successful seasons considering they are not very good offense, offensively. Mm-hmm. So, Louis Castillo, he, he's the ace of the staff, you would say that. But um, right behind him, you got a couple of guys, and uh, one of them is pitching today, George Kirby. I think he could have a phenomenal, phenomenal season. What do you make of George Kirby heading into this season? Yeah, he's he's just really good. He's one of those guys – it's kind of like Savantish where he just he can look at a baseball and just make it work. Like he, you know, they were talking about a few years ago. He decided Robbie Ray was throwing a two seam fastball, and George said, "Well, let me try that." 
So he picked it up a couple times, threw it a couple times, and like a week later, he was using it in his in games. And like last year, Logan Gilbert was trying out a split finger, and George said, "Well, I want to try that too." So he started messing around with it, and all of a sudden, it became a better pitch than his changeup. So, yeah, he's he's unbelievably talented. And I, what I like is that he throws strikes. He works fast. You know, he's a writer's dream in that way. He doesn't mess around. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? A writer's dream, guys that work quick. And, uh, hey, all the, the fielders love it, too, when a guy can uh, work quickly. And that's obviously helped and changed a lot since the pitch clock and things like that. So just uh, in a nutshell, how would you how would you describe the, the Mariners' rotation compared to the rest of the division? How does it stack up? Well, I, I definitely think it's the best in the division. You know, you, you're talking about you have Castillo and you have – Kirby and you have Logan Gilbert. I mean, they're all like if you look at the Las Vegas odds, they're in the top ten in terms of Cy Young, um, Cy Young uh, odds. You know, they're they're right up there. Then you have the two rookies, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, who had, you know in their first seasons in the big leagues, you know were were pretty good. Like they, you know, they weren't expected to contribute as much as they did last season, and they were kind of forced to come in and, and be a part of the rotation due to injury. They all the Mariners knew they were going to be talented and they have potential, but for what they did last year, now they come back with basically a full season of starts under their belt, and they really just kind of set up. I mean, like they have all the guys; they throw hard. They throw a lot of strikes, and uh, they're all really young, mm-hmm. and so I think that that makes them probably the best, the best rotation in the division, and probably the best one of the best in the American League. Like I, I struggle to find um, a, another rotation that has that many kind of young arms with the, the potential and the, the swing and miss potential that these guys have. Ryan Divish, Seattle Times, covers the Mariners with us on Sports fourteen forty uh, in the bullpen. Let's just start with the Canadian Matt Brash. How's he doing? You know, it's uh, he's hurt right now, and nobody's quite certain. You know, you're hearing different reports about how bad it is, but right now he's not throwing, and it's really going to hurt the Mariners. Um, just kind of he he thrown a bullpen about or it was last Tuesday, and just didn't feel great coming out of it. So they've shut him down, and he's not throwing right now. So, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't uh, come back and throw, um, you know, that's going to be a big loss because he's probably their best setup man that they have. Uh, in the organization, you know, like just the fastball, the nasty slider, and he just has gotten really to be effective down the stretch last year. So they're hoping for the best, and they, I think he's undergoing an MRI today, and they'll probably have a better idea of what, what's going to happen with him. But yeah, it'd definitely be bad if he if he's unavailable this year. Yeah, that's a big, big loss if uh, if that goes to any extended time. Uh, when the team traded uh, Paul Sewell to Arizona, basically uh, Andres Munoz came off the DL and took over closer roles. Is he is he the guy moving forward, and can he handle that role for an entire season? Yeah, he'll be the guy moving forward. I think he can handle it. You know, he's got the the 100-mile-per-hour fastball and the nasty slider. I think last year he was kind of dinged up early on. He had a off-season ankle surgery and just wasn't quite healthy all year. But this year he's looked a lot better. You know, he, he pitched really well down the stretch. So he'll be the closer. Uh, they picked up a guy named Gregory Santos from the White Sox who's, who's a, throws 100. You know, it seems like they all throw 100. But he'll be in that kind of back of the rotation or back of the bullpen uh, leverage role. I'm not sure about – you know, how they're going to, if Brash can't go, how they'll fill that spot. But, uh, you know, those are the two main guys at the end of, at the back of the bullpen. Ryan Divish, our guest on Sports 1440. What's it like to watch Julio Rodriguez on a day-to-day basis? 
I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I, I would assume it's kind of like when people got to watch Mike Trout on a daily basis, and or even you know some of the other superstars. He's just so talented, and he what impresses me the most is that like. He doesn't take how easy the game is for him for granted. He is a worker, and, you know, to see the time and effort that he puts in is is what you really get appreciation for. Like, yeah, he does ridiculous things on the baseball field, but you kind of realize that it's not just a product of, you know, being blessed. It's because he puts in a lot of time to be good, and he's able to do those things because of it. Is he nursing a little bit of a hand injury and is more just precautionary right now? Yeah, so, like, he just, you know, like, he did a lot of work with his swing uh, coming into the season, and the hand just got a little sore. You know, he's had broken hand a couple times in the past, and I think, you know, when you when you put a lot of pressure on it and you're, you're taking 250, 300 swings a day, it just gets sore. So they just backed him off a little mm-hmm. bit. But even yesterday when he wasn't, you know, he's sort of shut down from, from hitting completely, he's still taking kind of, hacks in the cage lightly and, and trying to maintain his swing. So they're not really worried. I assume he'll probably play in a game tomorrow or the next day. Ryan Divish, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show from the Seattle Times on Sports 1440. Uh, when Rodriguez came up a couple of years ago at the start of the year, Ryan, and he had a real tough month of April, how did he get through that uh, to get to where he is, you know, one of the top young players in the game? It's funny, like, we asked him, and especially because he got a lot of tough calls from umpires. You know, we were looking at some of the calls that he was and wasn't getting, and and um, he just kind of believed, hey, look, I'm good. This will happen. It'll change, you know, as long as I stay with my approach. And what's crazy is it did. It worked that year. Like, by May, he got hot, and he got unbelievably hot, and he was a rookie of the year. Last year, he didn't – he kind of got away from that, and a lot of people thought it was – some of the outside pressures of the all-star game being in Seattle and wanting to kind of be a part of that, you know, be the, the ambassador and a lot of other things, you know, a lot of asks from the organization. And he got away from his approach and started swinging a lot more stuff. But I think this year that was one of his focuses coming back. Like he, he sat there and talked to us about how, you know, he considered last season a sophomore slump. And I was like, well, you finished fourth in the MVP. How can that be a sophomore slump? He says, in my mind, it was a sophomore slump because he wasn't consistent enough all year. So that's his focus this year. And I think that's part of the reason why he put in so much time on the uh, in the batting cage instead of the sore hand now is because he doesn't want any sort of kind of slow starts or months where he doesn't help the team. He wants to be good all year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the faces uh, of the game. There's no question about that. When the Mariners made the trade with Atlanta, uh, sending Jared Kelnick to uh, the Braves, what did you make of that? Is it a was it a salary kind of dump? And you know, we know the inconsistencies of his game, but just your thoughts on when the when the Mariners made that trade with Atlanta? Oh no, that was all about money. Um, they are. You know, they, they're like uh, several teams right now. Just there's questions about their their regional sports network and and all this stuff. And they don't um, – they kind of have to – you know, they had to create some payroll space and flexibility. And they just couldn't um, – you know, they couldn't do that without making some moves. So they had to trade mm-hmm. Kelnick. They had to trade Eugenio Suarez to create some moves or to create some payroll space because they just don't – Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander, the top executives, were kind of handed a budget that was 
less than ideal and much less than they thought it was. It was kind of like an allowance for a kid. Instead of getting what he normally wanted, he got much less. Mm -hmm. So with Suarez going uh, out, and uh, does that mean Josh Rojas is just, does he start at third for the Mariners? Yeah, they're going to do a platoon of Luis Urias and Josh Rojas. I mean, like, you know, a lot of fans want them to sign Matt Chapman, and the Mariners Mm -hmm. looked into it, but it just, like, Boris isn't going to come down. It doesn't look like from what they want. And the Mariners aren't really in a financial position to offer much more. You know, they do a three-year deal with some opt-outs and stuff, maybe three years at $45 million, $15 million a year. They can make that work. And Matt Chapman will make them a lot better, even though he's not been great offensively. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just don't see that happening. Why do you think some of these guys, and I guess they're all Boris clients, why do you think they've been waiting so long here? Just because of Boris, mostly they want. They have a number. He's promised them a number, and they're not getting it. So he's told them, like, look, if you wait, we'll give you the best possible deal. And ultimately, they're waiting and not getting exactly what they want. But I'm sure he's selling it to them. Like the Bellinger deal, he can opt out, and I'm sure he will. Um, you know, those kinds of things. That's kind of how they're trying to play the game. Ryan Dibish with us on Sports 1440. Uh- when you watch Cal Raleigh play, do you think he's an underrated catcher in the majors? I do. I think he's one of the best defensive catchers in the major. And, I mean, he's led the – he's basically no catcher hits more home runs than he does. I mean, especially because he plays more games at catcher than everyone else. So, yeah, I do think he's underrated. You know, switching in catcher with power, he's – you know, he's – great defensively the pitchers trust him they love his work ethic behind there he puts them first so i do think he's kind of underrated but you know the mariners probably like that because they're trying to keep him around as long as possible and maybe hopefully sign him to an extension throughout spring training here ryan is there a player or two that um might surprise might be a sleeper to make the roster to contribute to to the mariners this year no, I don't think so. I mean, like, they're they're pretty much set. It might be a reliever, especially if Brash can't go, but I don't think that they have, like, there's that one sleeper prospect or anything like that where everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's going to play his way out of the team. The Mariners kind of built it out so they don't have to do that this year. And what's it like covering this team when the Toronto Blue Jays come to Seattle and you see <laughs> the amount of fans that uh, end up watching the games? It's it's always interesting. I got, uh, you know, I play uh, fastest softball with a bunch of guys from Vancouver, and they love coming down when the Blue Jays are in town. And so it's like their big weekend. It is really crazy. I mean, you know, Mariners fans hate it, but at the same time, like, they don't do anything to slow it down. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it really does have, like, a playoff atmosphere, you know, because there's so many fans in the stands. and. People are going crazy in the back and forth, and it's a lot of fun. And didn't something happen last last year in the concourse where they took a couple of Blue Jays like stands off that were selling, uh, you know, shirts and hats and things like that? Uh, yeah, I guess like in the team store they had yeah. a rack of Blue Jays jerseys and stuff, and people <laughs> got upset. But like they do that with every team. It was just that they had more for Blue Jays stuff. Yeah, they bring out quite a bit. Uh, do the Mariners players say anything about it? Do they like it? Do they not like it? What do they say? Uh. They hate it. They hate it, but you know they can't do anything about it. So, uh, so George Kirby goes today. What else about today's uh, tilt uh, where the Mariners are continuing their? I guess game two is spring training. Nothing major, you know. Like I said, they're they'll work Julio into the lineup here by the end of the week. They're hoping, and and you know, like I said, we're hoping to hear some resolution on Matt Brash and what's going on with him. But other than that, it's 
pretty normal spring training, you know, that so I probably just jinxed it and some crazy stuff will happen in the next few days. <laughs> you got you'll have to do uh, a pre-write yeah, it's again. It's been pretty quiet. Yeah, it'll be pretty quiet. Uh, what are you expecting from Kirby today? George Kirby, one, two innings? Yeah, just two innings to see what he can kind of do. And, and um, you know, I don't think that, you know, they're not going to push him or anything like that. It'll be two innings. I'm sure he'll throw a bunch of strikes and work fast and, you know, be able to have dinner by 6 o'clock. I'm sure. <laughs> that's, what, that's what counts when you're covered in spring training, doesn't it? Exactly. Hey, exactly. Yeah, hey, Ryan, thanks for this. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the ball game today. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah. See that's Ryan Divish, Seattle Times, covers the Mariners. And it's also Elevate Your Game, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. Check out TrustRam.com. When we come back, we're going to slip back to the ice. Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group, talk about the San Jose Sharks. Uh, uh, tough season, uh, tough season in San Jose, and the Sharks will be probably making some news here in the next 10 days as the trade deadline uh, is March the 8th. Uh, that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day, and we're kind of tweaking this a little bit. I guess the Sharks and Devils could be the game of the day for different reasons, but the game of the day is brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have a 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings of up to $14,000. As we welcome in Curtis Pashelka of the Bay Area News Group covering the San Jose Sharks. Good morning, Curtis. Curtis, welcome to Sports 1440. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Good morning. Ah, good morning. Yeah, thanks uh, for coming on. You know, the Sharks, uh, the season's been well documented. Nobody knows it more than a guy covering it like yourself. But as we creep up to the deadline, 10 more days here, who are some of the bigger names, bigger pieces of the puzzle of the Sharks' uh, current roster construction that you think teams are making calls on and will be on the way out? Well, I mean, certainly the Sharks have a fair number of uh, you know pending UFAs who, who teams could be could be interested in. I think I think the top of that list would be a guy like Anthony Declare. Um, you know, hasn't had the greatest season statistically, of course, but you know had a very good run, playoff run with the with the Florida Panthers last season and their and their trip to the Stanley Cup final. And you know, obviously plays with a lot of pace and can be a very dangerous sort of middle six type winger. So I would expect teams to be calling on, on him and, and the Sharks to be listening. Uh, you know, I talked to Anthony yesterday and, you know, there haven't been any new talks of a, a contract extension there. So I would definitely expect him to sort of be on the move here before March 8th. And, you know, you look at a couple other players potentially, you know, is there a market out there for Capital Cack? And then you know, he's had a, a better year this year than, than last season and, and uh, you know, could certainly be a guy, I think, mm-hmm. anyway, to, to be a backup for, for a a contending team that maybe needs more of a veteran presence down there. He doesn't have any playoff experience, so that's a bit of a drawback there. But you know, he's certainly a guy I think that you know could be could fill that number two type role on a, on a, on a playoff type team. And you know, a couple other players will kind of have to wait and see. You know, a Mike Hoffman, a Alexander Barabanov. A, you know, Kevin LeBanc, um, you know, we'll see what the market kind of is for those type of players. I wouldn't expect the, the asking price for those for those guys. Maybe very bottom, maybe a bit more because, you know, he's had, he has some history, uh, some success here lately uh, last season with the Sharks. But, um, you know, we'll see what kind of happens. But it's definitely going to be a busy day for, for my career in the Sharks and, uh, as we get closer to March 8th, March 8th here. 
Um, Curtis, how much of a drop-off in play with Mike Hoffman have you seen, I guess, this year? There was a time where, you know, with Ottawa and Florida, when, you know, this is a 30-goal guy and he was in such high demand. But what have you seen with his play this year? Well, you know, like they say, you know, Father Time's a bit undefeated, is undefeated, <laughs> right? And, you know, he's a guy maybe just isn't getting to his spots um, as frequently, can't get to his spot frequently as he did, you know, in past seasons. Because still has a terrific shot. I mean, you know, when he, when he does, when he is, does get open, does have some time to, to shoot the puck, he's, you know, he's very good. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, maybe just doesn't quite. Uh, maybe isn't playing with the same type of pace he did uh, in years past. And you know, he's been up and down the lineup quite a bit. And you know, I think that injuries too have, have played a part with the Sharks. You know, having gone without Wilmer for the vast majority of the season. Now they're without. Uh, you know, Tomas Hurdle, Mikhail Granlund's been out here and there too. So. That all affects the offense. I mean, when you're a winger like uh, like Mike Hoffman, who likes to play with those type of skilled players, that, that could affect your game uh, as well here. So I think it's been a combination of things. And, you know, I certainly I don't think Mike's had the season he's hoped to have. But, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, he can't uh, be a contributor maybe on a deeper team that maybe has uh, those type of players around him maybe. Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group, our guest on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show, 945 in Edmonton. Uh, you mentioned uh, Logan Couture, Curtis. Uh, how frustrating of a season has this been for the uh, Sharks captain? Well, it's been incredibly frustrating. You know, I mean, it's not something he's he's had. A, he's been fairly healthy throughout his career. He's certainly had, you know, some, some tough breaks with, with some injuries, but uh, this is uh, sort of a brand new type of type of thing, um, sort of a groin injury inflammation uh, that he's kind of dealt with here. It's been, you know, kind of uh, throughout you know the first half of the season. He basically tried to come back a couple of times, you know, once right before the season started, once late in October, and had you know setbacks both times. Basically, shut kind of shut it down throughout November, and then. Into December, he started feeling a little bit better, and gradually started to to make his way back. And finally, you know, you know, two or three weeks ago, or January twentieth, he he made his season debut, and it was really kind of a boost to the Sharks team after he came back in the lineup. But he, he told us yesterday that uh, you know he really didn't start to he kind of almost got progressively worse from the from the time he started to get back on the ice, and and uh, really kind of after. Uh, once the All Star break hit, he was kind of uh, kind of back to square one, score one almost for him in terms of a health perspective. So uh, he's uh, he's kind of back. He's he's better now. He's at least able to sort of work out and and and, and sort of you know get in the gym and and do those types of things now. But uh, it's completely unclear as to when he'll be able to to skate again. He does want to come back before the end of this season. He he has kind of ruled out. Surgery is maybe an option to to correct this in the off season. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that doesn't seem to be necessary at this point. So, um, so yeah, frustrating for him. And you know, you wonder how much if, if the Sharks have been healthy all season down the middle what they'd be like a little bit not a playoff team yeah. of course but maybe not next to last in the, in the overall standings either uh, and what about thomas hurdle what's his status curtis well he had he had surgery um about a week and a half ago uh, or so uh sort of clean out some loose cartilage in his, in his left knee uh he's uh 
probably another month away, a month away at least. Um, the Sharks haven't really given too many specifics as far as uh, what his timeline is, but he's, he's another guy who wants to come back before the before the end of the regular season. And you know, he was a guy who had to really step up in, in Couture's absence in the first half, just with his leadership and uh, production and those types of things. So he's you take those two guys out of the lineup right now, and it's it's a, it's a much looking much different looking team for sure. Oh boy, is it ever! Uh, you know, two of the top players for sure. Uh, Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, when you take Mark Edward Vlasic out of the mix, and you know he's obviously thirty six years old and kind of the tail end of his career. How do you look at the building blocks and how the defense is being assembled? I guess for the future moving forward here. Yeah, that was definitely something that that Mike Greer needed to address or wanted to address when he first got to the Sharks uh, last summer, uh, or I should say the summer of 2022. Um, You know, he's they've they've tried to take some steps. I mean, obviously the Timo Meyer trade was was big from that perspective. They 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 traded uh, they acquired uh, Shakira Mukamadul and from the New Jersey Devils. He projects to be sort of an offensive type defenseman. You know, I mean, a uh, maybe a middle pair uh, type guy at the NHL level. They like what they see. He's very still very raw, but he, he's uh, he's progressed really well this year and was spending most of the time in the American League. Another defenseman they got Nikita Holchek, uh in that deal has done pretty has done you know pretty well this year it's been you know he's been a bit inconsistent for the sharks this season has you know coming in and out of the lineup he'll be back in there tonight against the devils but um you know they also acquired a henry thrun from the anaheim ducks last season you know for a third round pick and he's a he's a guy that the sharks are very high on he's only 22 23 years old so uh he's a guy the sharks can can count on for a while and then uh you know you also kind of look at the guys maybe having some in the, in the, in the pipeline too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they've taken some steps here to, to address their defense and, and uh, there's probably some more work to be done there, but um, I think they feel better about where their organizational depth is now as opposed to maybe uh, a year, year and a half ago. So, Curtis, we know that the Sharks will have a, a fairly high 2024 first-round pick. They've also got the Pittsburgh pick coming in from the Eric Carlson deal, uh, but it is protected uh, in the sense that the Pens can uh, you know, push it to 2025. What, what do you make? Where do you, where do you see? What do you think is going to happen with that one? Yeah, I'm kind, of, kind of curious about that myself. I, 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 you know, if it is top ten protect, protected, like you said, um, you know, so if the if the, if the Penguins sort of nosedive here after after the uh, the trade deadline, you know, the Sharks, you know, the, the Penguins will keep that pick and then it'll transfer over to 2025. Uh, but if it kind of land in the 11 of 16 mix, then that could be a very sort of lucrative spot to be in for the Sharks. It was a very we talked about defensemen. It was a draft coming up that's mm-hmm. very deep in, in defensemen. So uh, maybe the Sharks can can pluck a guy off, uh, you know, out there with that second pick that they have in their first round, and 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 uh, you know, find a guy that they could, uh, you know, have in the organization here. Maybe be NHL ready within three or four years here. So uh, that that's certainly an option. It's very intriguing. Uh, the way that turned out, and you know, I think I think you know, the draft pick was a big part of that deal with in, in, you know, sending Eric Carlson to to the Penguins, and also creating some cash space for for the future too was was big for this team to you know look forward here in a couple of years. 
Curtis Pichelka, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, you know, Curtis, we've seen, I don't know, a dozen coaches change since last year, several, uh, you know, mid-season here. You know, we had one right here in Edmonton. Uh, the relationship that Mike Greer has with David Quinn, uh, is it the continuity that he wants to see moving forward? Because a lot of teams might make a change uh, at the coaching uh, position, just looking at the record, looking at the long streaks of, uh, you know, where you're not being able to pick up a win. Can you describe that relationship with uh, between Mike and David and how, They've kind of, you know, just tried to keep it, keep everything held together here under tough, tough times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're obviously, like you said, they have a history together. They trust each other. They know each other. Um, and so from that perspective, I think, you know, David Quinn's a guy who's kind of perfect for the, where the Sharks are right now. He's a very good communicator. Um, you know, he's willing to be patient to some degree. Obviously, the expectations to compete hard on a nightly basis is still there, but I think everyone else understands kind of where the Sharks are right now as an organization. I think David Quinn and Mike Greer knows that and, and uh, isn't necessarily judging David on, on the wins and losses, but how hard mm-hmm. this team competes and, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, whether they, you know, can, uh, you know, sort of grow and uh, these young players can, can sort of grow with the with the organization and sort of become in, impactful NHL players down the line. So, yeah, it's it, I think those two are, you know, uh, kind of very you know they work well together, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll kind of see how things develop here over the next uh, year or so. When because uh, you don't you know David's signed through next season, and then maybe the Sharks have to make a decision on whether or not to extend them or. Um, you know, uh, maybe move on and make a coaching change, but we'll see what happens. Um, one right last, now, I think yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Curtis. Finish yeah, up. Uh, uh, just uh, with the trade deadline coming up in ten days, league wide. From your perspective, league wide, covering the league for a long time, what do you do? You think things kind of, you know, we've seen a lot of movement before the last day, and uh, just the way the market's being set right now, we've had a bit of a lull right now, where teams are, you know, there's so many teams that are around the cut line. Do you think uh, things will kind of go down to the wire here this time around? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. I think, you know, kind of, I think a lot of people are waiting to see what the Calgary Flames do yeah. and in terms of what they, what they get back for Noah Hannafin or, or, or Tanev, uh, those type of players. And maybe that sort of helps, uh, you know, un, uh, unjam things up, if you will, to, yeah. you know, maybe allow for some more trades. But, you know, as we, you know, every, you know, for some of these players who have high, uh, you know, average annual values on their contract, it maybe does pay off to sort of wait to the last minute so you get the uh, the cheapest cap hit possible, but we'll see. Maybe one move sort of leads to a nominal effect, and and uh, we get a lot of a lot of activity before uh, before March eighth. Yeah, I think everyone's just kind of waiting for that first domino to fall, Curtis. I guess. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for coming on today, Curtis. Uh, enjoy the Devils and the Sharks tonight. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it for sure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You got it, anytime. That's Curtis Pachelka, Bay Area News Group, and also elevating our game. Pardon me, our game of the day. We already did that, Duke. Our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge uh, with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people at stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, it's two days in a row. The Duke and I going head-to-head. Are you in or are you out? Also got a text about your the dance floor your dad built for you here. We got to get to that one. It's gonna that could have been an in or out Duke right there. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the hour. Plus we'll have uh, Luke Pierce, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, at ten twenty. Before that, here is the Duke with a sports fourteen forty update.